0: Welcome to the Science and Paranormal with Dr. Jana and Dr. Elliot, where science meets the unexpected, where we delve deep into the mysteries that straddle the line between scientific inquiry and paranormal. Get ready for a mind-altering journey as we embark on this phenomenal discovery together on United Public Radio Network, 107.7 FM.
1: All right, welcome to tonight's show. Good evening,
0: ladies and gentlemen.
1: Tonight's just Dr. Yana and myself, so we'll just be chit-chatting about uh, all things paranormal.
0: Exactly, paranormal. And today we're talking about regressive hypnosis. And what it is, and what do we eat it with?
1: And we're broadcasting live from the United Public Radio Network, the UFO Public Radio Network, 105.3 and 107.7 FM in beautiful New Orleans, and also on Roku TV.
0: That's right. New Orleans, you know, some say New Orleans, some say New Orleans. So and I asked a friend of mine, actually Dr. Sherry, and she said it's New Orleans. This is how would she pronounce it? So this is I go I probably
1: have a Canadian accent.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I go with New Orleans. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. So with uh, with hypnosis, what kind of hypnosis are you trained in? Do you do regressive hypnosis?
0: I'm training in clinical hypnosis, in fact. Uh, so I have been doing what is called the medical hypnosis. Uh, and this is what I have been doing. And interestingly enough, that I never believed in regressive hypnosis. Uh, if past life regressions was something too funny to me, something that uh, only silly people talk about, or too new agey for me, you know, when. Yeah. Uh, I, you're working on a PhD and then somebody comes and talks about past life regression. It's like, are you, uh, are you for serious? Are you serious? Like something, what's going on with you? <laughs> but no, this is uh, with the past life regression. It came to me really unexpectedly. And I was quite surprised because not the, it was not something that I heard about. Yeah. We all heard something about it. It wasn't something that I wasn't, interested in particularly. Uh, But uh, going through the training in clinical hypnosis, uh, we had some students. In fact, it was a two year uh, training in uh, clinical hypnosis. And I had some students um, right next to me in a lounge room doing some regressive hypnosis on each other. And what I was doing I was resting, I put my feet up, and I was enjoying myself. I said, okay, let them talk in their calm, nice voice. I can just take a little rest. Before I knew it, with my closed eyes, my feet up, I found myself in a very interesting place, and it was uh, a very different from what I even remember. Really? It was nothing like uh, I ever seen in my present life, right? And it was uh, very unpleasant for me because, uh, you know, that uh, you are used to everything that you're used to, right? To your modern life, to your surrounding, to people around you. And there I was uh, over 2000 years ago in some sort of uh, dungeon as it appeared to me. I was in the room somewhere in some kind of basement and the windows were so small and rectangular somewhere by the ceiling and I saw myself being locked up in a room and some other ladies were bringing me dresses and treating me really like royalty and I saw everything around myself so I don't know why I was locked up at the time but it was really unpleasant for me all of a sudden to find yourself uh, in this kind of environment I brought myself out of it I opened my eyes and think what is happening turned out to be that the two students right next to me who was supposed to be uh, going into one of the past lives uh, couldn't do it, you know, wasn't able to be regressed at all. So, but it happened to me. And the interesting thing about it is that I was able to understand. I took a note of this experience uh, because it was very real to me. Um, I took a note of it and I understood that a year earlier in the summertime i was on the island of crete in greece and why it felt familiar to me is that i was sitting uh, on the in the place called knossos uh, if you know about the the legend of um king um What's was his name? What was this? his name? King... Um, uh, it will come to me. It's too late in the day. Too late in the day, guys. So, uh, King Minos. Oh, my God. How could I forget that? So, King Minos and his uh, uh, apparent um, son from his wife. He was a minotaur, half person, half bull. Uh, and it was held in the... Uh, dungeon in the labyrinth underneath the, the castle mm-hmm. at the time. So when I was there, I was there for the first time. And I was there with a group of other American faculty from the University of Missouri and the students. And all I did, I sat down on one of the rocks and I sat there for probably for half hour. I didn't go anywhere. And I love architecture. I love history. And... I was just sitting there up until another faculty member came to me and said, Yana, we're going to be leaving soon. You haven't seen anything. And all I told her, I know everything here. This is my home. <laughs> Imagine somebody in their normal state of mind hearing from me, this is my home. And this is the first time I was there. And there's the ruins of the, uh, the place, palace that it used to be there. So at the time... I didn't know about it, but it came all the picture just drew itself in front of my eyes and I knew that what I saw a year later, I was actually there over 2,000 years, 3,000 years earlier, and that was my place. Somehow I knew everything, every corner. I knew uh, what kind of people were there, what traditions were there, the roads that were built there, and I said, uh, I told that the faculty member, I said, you know, right around this corner, there is this amazing old road, and surely enough, there it was. How did you know that? So to me, it was very perplexing why I would be having this kind of experience, because I never had that before. So my road into past life regression started then, because I had my own experience my own understanding of the past life, and uh, it wasn't something um, that was told to me that I read somewhere. It was uh, my own personal experience, and I came to it.
1: That's really that's really interesting. And you said, uh, and I've heard this before. My colleague, Dr. Daryl Walsh, um, who is also a parapsychologist, he's very familiar with uh, hypnosis as well. He he took uh, some training in it. Um, but he, he says that he cannot be, or he's one of those people that are not really susceptible to, to being hypnotized. And you said someone else in, uh, in your class there um, was supposed to be hypnotized and wasn't. Did they talk about, um, or do you have any idea why that is? That some people, you know, are susceptible to being hip- hypnotized and others aren't?
0: You know, there are some people that are highly hypnotizable, of course, and it's easier to work with them. Some people are not. Uh, It depends uh, on the person. And of course, if you see uh, the shows um, in Las Vegas, for example, if you go and you see all those hypnotists uh, working with people, it's not necessarily that they would have uh, all of them on the stage performing all of those tricks uh, just randomly taken out of the audience. They work with them ahead of time and uh, they Uh, try to see who is highly hypnotizable, who is going to be susceptible to their charms uh, on the stage. So Mm -hmm. some people are and some people are not. So so, uh, some people have a very um, active mind that wants to be in control of everything. And that's difficult to be hypnotized up until probably the time that you do want to be hypnotized. I had a funny story with one of the ladies Long time ago, Uh, she was French and she wanted to lose weight. And that was at the time when I was just learning how to do it. Um, So she came to me probably seven times. And every time her eyes were like wide wide open, I couldn't even bring her down. Uh, She wouldn't go to sleep. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't relax. She would always be like, alert. And I tried everything with her. Yeah. I tried to give her suggestion on the times that she could close her eyes that, oh, you don't eat, uh, the food is just not looking good to you. So seven times. And then finally, I got so tired of it. I got so tired. I said, okay, we're going to take it seriously. <laughs> and I gave her the suggestion that she is allowing me to go into her subconscious. And it is totally fine. Absolutely fine. Because you have to establish the rapport with a, your patient. And she did. And on the eighth time, she went down so deeply that she did not want to go out. She didn't want to come up. She just felt so good there. And I told her, I said, you know what? We're going to do it really easy this time. You are going after work. And she will be probably listening to it. (laughs) She will remember this case. An amazing, amazing woman. Uh, She was a friend of mine. And um, she said, uh, oh, I told her that after work every time, every day you go to the gym for half hour and then you go home. Because I figured for a French person not to eat bread and cheese, that's impossible, right? So you have to understand some cultural differences here. And so I did a week later. She comes up out of hypnosis, of course. She she feels so good. Yana, I did not want to get out of it. A week later, she calls me and she says, Yana, to hell your hypnosis. I have decided to go to the gym for half hour after work every day to lose weight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, and my God, you're probably not remembering anything that we had done. So that is the power of suggestion, even with people who are not highly hypnotizable. It just uh, probably takes time and uh, to build trust and rapport with the person.
1: That's really interesting. Um, have you used any of your uh, reg- uh, regressive hypnosis uh, for paranormal investigations? or done any interviews uh you know where you're investigating any anyone's past life or i know i know hypnosis is also used in alien abduction phenomena as well um just yeah just curious if you've actually used it for any paranormal investigations
0: it is there is actually such a thing as a conversational hypnosis and not necessarily that you have to put the person down in order to get some information out of the person and of course everything has to be done ethically Because uh, being a therapist, they have to do everything ethically. Um, And yes, I would not necessarily put the person down, but I would be talking and be able to get some information of the events that the person could have forgotten. But then the question comes up, since this is not an exact science, the question comes up that uh, uh, what is the person remembering necessarily because you have to take all of the accounts, uh, um, all of the uh, sides into the account, right? And um, understand whether the person heard that story before, like you and I have discussed it already, or whether he was able to um, create the narrative that would be um, composed of the questions asked, of the things that he had seen before and suggestions from the other people, you know. So it's it's very tricky. however, I was able to get some information from people. but uh, really in paranormal investigations, it doesn't come up that often. Uh, people prefer to tell their stories as they are, and they believe in them as being correct.
1: Very true. Yep, yeah, very true. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Uh, I have a interest in it, obviously, because I'm interested in the paranormal. And like I said, I do know that there are some areas of the paranormal that do use hypnosis, uh, and that would be past life regression and also uh, alien abductions. But, um,
0: but with yeah, alien the- abductions, uh, uh, Dr. Elliot, with alien abductions, I believe um, when it happens, and I do know that it does happen, that some people think that it's uh, something uh, out of uh, a different world, right? And something that doesn't exist. Uh, But at the same time, I I understand the power of mind control. If we as humans, as hypnotherapists, we are able to control the mind of another person, then imagine what would be with other uh, civilizations, uh, more advanced civilizations that come here and uh, uh, take specimens uh, out of uh, um, humans, for example, to do uh, investigations on them and different kind of uh, research. Mm -hmm. Because um, I myself, I um, saw... I would say I witnessed... um, can't call them aliens. It's a kind of kind of weird name for them. Aliens, <laughs> extraterrestrials, I guess. Right? I saw them several times, and I saw predominantly grays. And uh, they always come in four. And uh, they call themselves a console of four. And um, if, for example, uh, I was um, induced uh, um, amnesia, for example, I wouldn't be able to remember that. But I was able to remember. And I remember that from childhood and and I remember it now, but I know quite well. And, uh, um, just wanted to share with people, for example, if you do regressive hypnosis or any type of hypnosis with people, and if you give the suggestion of to forget the entire experience, the person can easily forget it. So you, if can you can see, see how work. a
1: lot of uh, psychological modalities uh, for treatment of patients, how this, uh, this would work. I know they've used hypnosis for uh, people with uh, like trying to quit quit cigarettes, like you had talked about earlier, weight loss, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. It's it's yeah, it's a fascinating, fascinating. Um, is it considered a science?
0: Well, it is not uh, quite uh, accepted by the um, psychiatry and um, psychological uh, of the APA, American Psychological Association. It's not considered um, as um, valid science. It's interesting because
1: I I know on our last show with Dr. Sherry, we had talked about how I think it was in the seventies. Uh, the APA had to send out a warning to uh, all the clinicians to be careful with uh, hypnosis just because there was a lot of uh, false memories being, um, drug up, uh, surrounding sex- sexual assaults. So they, uh, they had to caution against that for sure.
0: Yeah. Because uh, when you go through the training, um, as a scientist, of course, as a psychologist, you have to, uh, understand the um, ethical, um, moments here and not really ask the leading questions and that's the first thing as you remember uh of the of doing research you can't uh, ask leading questions but at the same time we forget we're all humans and uh while doing investigations when we're in a hurry for example right we might as well forget and cut corners and do ask those questions so yeah false memories and um if you think about it uh, people can devise uh, some uh, um, personalities that they think are real personalities. If you look at the past life regression, for example, uh, where do people go? Where does their mind go? And what pictures does it see? Because they go to investigate um, themselves, so their internal world in a nonlinear form. And the time is not linear there. Uh, they can go in the past, uh, explore the past, the present, and also the future. Um, it also, uh, investigating the future also came to me uh, unexpectedly when one of my clients uh, asked me to look into the future to see if uh, she would be getting uh, permanent residency in Canada, in fact. because yeah, for the past uh, couple of years, they were denied as a family permanent residency and they nearly gave up on that. And um, she just asked me, I said, let's do the hypnosis and just look uh, into the future and uh, um, let's see if it is possible. I said, okay, if you're asking, let's do that. So with this experimental way, we went forward in time. I said, okay, let's just pick a year. And we went one year into the future. And uh, I said, "Um, what do you see? So she saw this beautiful, incredible house. And she could describe everything in it a year from then. And, well, I asked her, where's your husband? And so she replied that he was outside in the front yard. And I gave her the suggestion just to go and uh, talk to him. So we want to talk to him. And I asked her to ask him, when, where do they live? And he said, in Canada. And the next question was, uh, when did they move to Canada? So he gave an answer. He said, oh, the 27th of October of last year. And he said, oh, wait, it was the 17th of October of previous year. So he couldn't give her the definite answer. Interesting. So check this out. She comes out out of it and she's so happy that they're moving to Canada. She took it really seriously and she ran with this idea to tell everybody about it. So it was in August. Then we did the um, uh, future progression session. She runs to me in October, October 17th. And she shows me her passports that came back. They were given permanent residency on October 17th. Wow. And she's like, Yana, she said, I'm such a genius. She was so happy about herself. I'm such a genius. I was able to see it. I said, yeah, you're a genius. Exactly. And she said, another interesting thing is that she said, my husband can never remember the dates. So just because in the future he gave me two dates, 27th and the 17th, right. also is reflective of his personality, who can never remember the exact date. <laughs> so they got it in the mail. You know, it was so funny. It was so happy for them. And they moved to Canada.
1: Wow. That, that so is very interesting.
0: The power of our mind. So even if the mm, uh, our science does not really recognize it as uh, something... Uh, reproducible, right? And um, it is still for many people when they have explored so many different possibilities of healing themselves when they are cornered with different illnesses and they don't understand themselves uh, where their certain traits come from, where the certain patterns that repeat in their life again and again and again. And if those are happy patterns, people are happy with that. But if they are unhappy, then they're looking for different kinds of um, modalities and ways to solve that, right? To find out, to find a question, to to answer to their questions. And I've noticed that a lot of the times when people come to me, they would come as a last resort,
1: Hmm.
0: you know, and then as you mentioned, uh, people, um, when they want to do their regressive hypnosis, they want to deal with some of the traumas, the unresolved traumas, some of the reg- repressed memories and even right. trauma of, of traumatic events that the, they have shoved so far. They don't even remember that. And they do come to me and, um, my children actually said that, you know, mom, you make all of your clients cry. You know, why do they cry every time that they leave and they're crying? Mom I said, <laughs> <laughs> because I said, without crying, it is not possible to uncover all of those deep-seated uh, emotions at times that uh, come up and you have to be able to deal with them. So that's um very interesting field. If we can find answers to... Uh, our questions, why not explore that? And there are many, many scientists who are incorporating nowadays and previously as well, and even more now incorporating past life regression into their therapy and they're finding amazing answers.
1: That's really fascinating. Um, no, it's, it's something that I, I, I probably should brush up on for sure. It's, uh, One of the things that I'm not, uh, you know, just don't specialize in and and don't have a lot of, uh, you know, knowledge. I will
0: hypnotize you. (laughs) (laughs) You want to go to sleep right now.
1: (laughs) Well, it is 1134
0: here. in. (laughs) I'm going to go to sleep on my own.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I have been told that I can go to sleep pretty much at will. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's Uh, good.
1: No, that's, uh, that's really interesting. And last week when we talked to Dr. Sherry too, we talked about, uh, you know, memories and how they degrade. And like you said, when people repress memories, it's kind of, you know, it's still up there in the mind somewheres. It might just not necessarily be, uh, you know, uh, available right now. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's um, it, it's a very fascinating fascinating topic.
0: You know, I was able to find answers to my questions And if uh, nothing else, I would be here to even sharing my own story, uh, how I was able to overcome through my own personal research, not anybody else before I even started doing past life regression on people. uh, I was able to understand why I have um, claustrophobia, why I had fear of heights, Why I had such incredible interest in England, particularly London, uh, and English and English literature. So I myself was able to go back into some of my past lives and uh, understand why, for example, with the fear of heights. So I was able to get to the point where I saw myself in the previous life falling off the cliff. Like, mm. That's it. I understand it now. I fell off the cliff. That's interesting. And coming back out of it, uh, we do, you know, as scientists, we always do all this research on ourselves, right? People like do that with the LSDs, with different kinds of medications. We do. We want to know, right? Yeah. So I did that with myself. Uh, um, so when I came out, I decided to go um, in the highest building and I looked down and I wasn't afraid and my head wasn't spinning. I said, okay, it actually works. It works. Yeah. And with claustrophobia, for example, uh, I was able to tackle it and actually get rid of it um, with the same case as I told you about when I was uh, on the island of Crete. Right. In the palace of the Minotaur Palace, uh, the King Minos, uh, when I was kept uh, uh, locked up in the room without uh, being able to leave. So I was able to take care of that. And another case uh, uh, with uh, my love of English and English literature. I've always been so fascinated and just loved it. And in fact, uh, um, one of my bachelor degrees is in English and English literature. So, I was able to find out I was a writer contemporary of uh, Shakespeare, and I was writing in the very similar um, style, kind of sarcastic style, as I speak now. And this is the way that I also write. And it is so fascinating. And we think it is something. Uh, behind the clouds it's somebody who is able to perform these tricks it must be some spiritual teacher guru you know someone to whom we have to go and have the flocks of people flowing to him just asking questions begging you know no it's so easy because I was able to understand why if I'm going there why not just dare to ask questions I ask questions I get names I am able to um, do my research when I come up, uh, get out of the uh, hypnosis, uh, self-hypnosis. Um, I do my research and understand that, yeah, these people were actually the h- actual historical figures. And to me, I don't know everything. Uh, I'm not a walking encyclopedia, although I do know uh, a lot. But at the same time, I use the uh, Internet. Internet is a huge encyclopedia because uh, even if you go to the library, sometimes you can't find it. And then you see other people's experiences when they share, right? And uh, some old mythological stories that you come across, you understand, oh, it did happen, for example, in history. You know, it did did take place. So it's very, very interesting. And another interesting thing is that when I came to Mm. London one time, it was before I knew that... I lived in London a long time ago. I was able to walk through London and know where each street is located, where I need to turn, where I need to go. And finally came to the Westminster Abbey and I stood right next to the place where I was at the time buried. And I didn't know why. Hmm. It was so interesting to me. And then I realized, yeah, because this is the the way that he lived. That was his um, favorite city where he died, in fact. So you can find so many answers to your likes and dislikes and patterns in life. Fascinating.
1: That is very interesting. Now, do you believe that uh, we have all had past life? Or do you think that there are... I know I've heard the term new soul, old soul... Um, you know, what's your thoughts on that?
0: Well, not necessarily that I believe. I know, I know, you know, when sometimes they say, oh, do you believe in God? You believe in something that you don't know. You have not experienced and uh, you're placed in the position to believe because you never experienced that. Uh, You were told to believe and you believe. So I I don't believe, I know. I know, in fact, uh, through my own personal research um, and the visions that I have and uh, uh, the past life regressions, so many that I had done with people and they're incredible stories. I know that some souls are indeed old souls, meaning that they have uh, incarnated many times on earth. And they possess a will of uh, wisdom and knowledge, something that the new souls that just uh, came here babies wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And not necessarily they're bad people, but we're not talking about that. I'm just saying about the
1: naive or not experienced. Yeah, they're
0: naive and experienced and fun looking souls. And uh, uh, we need people like that as well. But at the same time, when we see sages, they are the cumulative um, walking um, wells of uh, information that they were able to remember from the previous incarnations. Because in my understanding that we somehow, uh, we continue the certain line of incarnations, uh, something very similar to all of these stories that I was able to uh do the map of them and understand like what are the similarities and dissimilarities and i've understood that every story was somewhat similar to the previous one there were connections so
1: very very fascinating yeah. um no it's definitely something that i'm gonna i'm gonna have to uh brush up on i know uh, i do follow a little bit of the work that ian stevenson does uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh he's a psychiatrist for anyone that doesn't uh, know who he is. And uh, in the field of parapsychology, he focuses on past life regression. Um, But uh, yeah, it's, it's, I find it, you know, absolutely fascinating and that you can get some information to kind of continue your investigation. Like you said, you know, it's not used a whole lot or like you said, some people want to, use it as like a last resort. But I I know just um, like in the investigations I've done in 26 years, we haven't used any hypnosis, uh, which is interesting. But we also haven't, you know, most of our cases are ghosts and haunting kind of cases that that come up. So um, not we don't really get people coming to us with uh, past lives. Although I think I've told the story before on a couple podcasts, my niece, uh, she was six at the time. And, uh, when I started uh, dating Sarah, they were telling me about my niece summer and that uh, summer always talks about her other family and, uh, that, um, her sister, her older sister would catch her in her bedroom talking to her older family. And, uh, they'd ask her about it. And she said, she's got a mom and like some siblings and stuff like that. So when, when I heard this, I said, oh, it's interesting because she fits that age group that we know from uh, all the work that's been done at the University of Virginia through their uh, perceptual studies unit, Uh, that children, you know, around that age, six, seven, can recall their past life, so uh, I sat her down and just had, like, a very kind of casual conversation with her to see if I could get any details out of it, but um, she, uh, yeah, she didn't really open up or or talk about it so it would have been interesting uh, to have her undergo hypnosis to kind of see what you could dig up in that case um, since then she's eight or nine years old now so and she doesn't talk about it anymore which is interesting because again the studies from University of Virginia have shown that once they start to hit that age they uh, seem to kind of forget about the, the past life um, yeah that's her, where the
0: hypnosis comes too. yeah
1: yeah, I mean, there's been cases, obviously, of adults that have, you know, um, recalled their past life as well. It's not just uh, not just children that recall it, but uh, it's more common with children than it is with adults.
0: You know, when we think about hypnosis, uh, a lot of people have so many misconceptions about it. <clears throat> when uh, we go to sleep, we dream, right? And uh, what is uh, hypnosis? Is the sleep-like trance? And it was uh, Greek god Hypnos, uh, the god of sleep, of course, and hypnosis. That's why it was called, hypnosis. But it's nothing extraordinary if you just if you look into that. Uh, yes, it is perceived as something unattainable, extraordinary. But if you look at it closely, it's nothing uh, out of this world. And the cultures have used it for centuries. For centuries, this technique, in order to uh, bring up healing to people, in order to get some mystical experiences. Uh, How does uh, this past life regression differ from those mystical experiences that people had before, for example, or the dreams that we have? For example, I have been recording my dreams since I was 16 because I understood that uh, in them lays a very, uh, big, uh, layer, kind of, um, huge, um, rock fossil that contains so much information. Yeah. And I remember, uh, I was 16 and I woke up and I was in the battle. I had a dream that I was in the battle and I remember my name and it was a French name and I saw death everywhere. You know, that was um, uh, the time when the internet uh, uh, was just starting in the computers. I had like the the first computer. It was so huge and bulky. And I was able to go and look up that name because otherwise, where else are you going to go to look it up, right? And surely enough, there was only one mention of that person by that name in some French battle 300 years ago. Hmm. So. How could I get, how could I tap into that information in my sleep? Yeah, dream,
1: dream research is very fascinating, too, because, uh, you know, even today, modern science doesn't really understand why we dream. Um, But uh, you're right. uh, It is a very fascinating subject as well. Uh, Some people have precognitive dreams where they dream of, you know, a future event uh, occurring. A lot of people talk about a certain type of uh, visitation, apparitional visitation through dreams, where people have reported that it's much more than a dream. Like it's very, very vivid. You can smell, like, uh, say, say your grandpa passed away, you could smell grandpa's aftershave in the dream. You can feel uh, like his coat that he used to wear. People will describe, uh, you know, those types of senses, the tactile sensation, the olfactory sensation and uh it's just more real than a normal dream and uh you know it it's been documented many many times by people that have had this experience and so parapsychologists believe that that is a form um of a apparitional visitation is it's a dream visitation so dreams are uh, very very interesting and we forget them very quickly as well um and apparently that's because uh, the certain part of our brain that encodes memories uh, is kind of deactivated or put on sleep mode, if you want to call it that, uh, during yeah. these dreams. So that's was why it
0: that th- that's th- why Thomas Edison dream. that was holding the ball in his hand that uh, he would just go dreaming, of course, looking for some answers to his questions? And every time he would uh, uh, fall asleep, he would drop that uh, ball, of course, it would not off. And uh, he wanted to remember his dreams because many scientists, including um, uh, Einstein, for example, if you just uh, take him, he also was looking into his dreams for solutions to the problems and scientific problems, mathematical problems, uh, because they knew of the power of the subconscious. But um, when we go... Uh, into the past life regressions, for example, right uh, into to the past life that's supposed past life. I know that some people say, and they publish it. Oh, I remember my thousand thousands of my past lives. Oh, that's very interesting to me. I can't really say that I don't believe them, but at the same time. What happens that we can form all those false memories, um, being so eager to go into this experiences and an experience, uh, uh, some entities, right? Um, uh, some interesting stories that they had before, you know, but at the same time, have to be really careful to even... Uh, um, We've spoken about the the false memories, but there's such Mm -hmm. a thing that people claim that uh, they met with some uh, discarnate entities, you know, during that time. And that has to also be taken uh, cautiously. I don't disregard this uh, uh, possibility, but people do um, have different kinds of uh, apparitions and different kind of entities that come to them in the sleep in the even um, also in the past life regression you know it's um it also has to be taken with caution so it's not that the best life regression is not for everybody
1: yeah that's uh that's interesting that you mentioned uh thomas edison a little bit earlier there because uh he was actually interested before he passed away on creating a device uh to try and communicate with the dead Um, but unfortunately he didn't get to, uh, pursue that Mm -hmm. work. It would have been very interesting if, if he did. Um, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately he passed away before he could do it, but, uh, just kind of a, a keynote. We always talk. Yeah. The interesting
0: thing is that they don't come back. So he really wanted to see what is there beyond death. Right. And somehow Mm. When he went to another world, he's not able to come back and tell us, okay, they should know that we are also interested, right, to find out what is there beyond death. They're not able to come back. So if you look at all the mythology of the previous um, generations, if we take the Greek mythology, classical Greek mythology, we would uh, see that souls, people when they died, their souls would go I uh, would travel the river Lethe, right? And once they passed it onto another world, they would forget all their memories of this life would be forgotten. And also in Chinese culture, it is as well. There was a goddess um I don't remember her name, but the god that there was a deity deity goddess that would give people some potion, bitter sweet potion, and then they would they would forget their previous lives moving on into a different one. So yeah, we do forget. We do forget.
1: Yeah, no, that's uh, that's very, very fascinating. I, I, I love that, uh, that stuff. It's something I'm gonna have to brush up on for sure. Um, I think it's got a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of potential uses, and it's probably underused as well. Like you said, it's not really accepted by mainstream psychology or psychiatry. But I mean, uh, mainstream science doesn't accept. Much of what comes out of parapsychology, either, so we we can kind of relate to that. We're like the underdogs, for
0: example. (laughs) We're rebels. We're rebels.
1: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But at the Um, same
0: time, if you look at the psychology, what is this uh, psychology? Is uh, mainstream psychology is the science of the mind. Right. It's nothing to do with the soul. We're not treating the souls. We are treating the minds of people, not the souls, not the psyches as a psychology Mm. from the Greek word, the the psycho, right? The logos, the science of the soul. There's nothing of the soul in there.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's, yeah. No, that's a a good point. Um, It was interesting. uh, Just uh, I I did a quick little check here uh, because we were talking about Thomas Edison and how he wanted to uh, design a device to communicate with the dead. And I thought he might have been the one who's, Signatures appeared on the film during the skull experiment. Oh yeah, but, yeah,
0: but it yeah,
1: yeah. But it, uh, it wasn't Thomas Edison. Apparently, it was Albert Einstein.
0: Ooh, uh, his <laughs>
1: yeah, it, his initials had appeared because they believed uh, during the skull experiment that they called these the spirit team. Uh, it was kind of like the scientist team because they were helping them try and develop uh, how to communicate with them better, and they were offering them advice. and on one of the films, what they would do is. Uh, both the mediums and the, the skull investigators. And then later on the society for Psychical research investigators would take an unopened can of film and, uh, it would be purchased brand new. It would be secure. They'd put it in a box, lock it in. And then allegedly the spirits could imprint, uh, photographs and, and things like that drawings and scribblings on the film. And when it, it would get developed, they would see these images. And, uh, one of the images that had come back had, uh, the initials of uh, Albert Einstein on it. So, really, uh, and it, apparently it matched what his signature would have looked like as well. So, um, really fascinating when you start getting into like spirit photography and, and that. It is
0: fascinating because those are electromagnetic fields and we still don't know <clears throat> much about it. But uh, if you take this experiment uh, with those uh, undeveloped films, And I remember that when I was little, I would be developing those films in the dark room with my dad with a red light. So I know what it is all about. So when the undeveloped film and something that shows up there, that means that uh, somehow it needed to get there. And the only way that with electromagnetic fields, if no one uh, touched it, there should be some electromagnetic uh, field and uh, disturbances in that field as well. So we think that... uh, um, we look at each other and we don't see um, our energy field around us, right? Not that many, at least, not that many. And then we assume that this is what we are, that I look at you, Dr. Elliot, and this is, this is your head, this is your shoulder, this is your earphones, you know, and that, that's it. But in fact, there's more to you. There's so right. many different layers uh, of the uh, etheric bodies around you mm. that uh, where do they go? So when people pass along, uh, those energies don't go anywhere, correct?
1: Yeah, and, well, yeah. Uh, I think it was Albert Einstein himself said, you know, energy cannot be uh, created or exactly. destroyed. And uh, everything's everything's energy. Uh, everything's, you know. And he
0: came to give us his signature just to prove the fact as a scientist.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was, it, it was the skull experiment. I know it takes uh, uh, some people, you know, uh, give it its criticism because they feel that the mediums had too much control and there were times where they wanted the room to be dark and they said that you couldn't use infrared film because that's what the spirits had told them. And I know, of course, skeptics are very skeptical of that because that's how things used to be back in the 1800s when psychical researchers first started to investigate the paranormal. That's why they got involved in in, uh, becoming paranormal investigators was to investigate claims of communicating with the dead um, during the spiritualism movement. And during that time frame, they did uncover a lot of frauds and hoaxes and things like that. But, um, it was funny on the documentary, you can still watch it on YouTube. I think it's called afterlife investigations, the skull experiment. Um, you can see that they weren't supposed to record during this one session when they were doing, uh, the items that were materializing and dematerializing, but they had, they kept the camera on and, uh, you could see, um, some flowers, some petals from flowers materialize within the room. So it was, mm. uh, it's really interesting. Um, no, that's, uh, that's, that's really awesome. We've, uh, we've got some fans that have been watching tonight here. Uh, see Wes Coleman uh, has given us some comments there and agrees with you. He says he thinks that everyone has a past life. Some are just very deeper and harder to bring to the surface. All depends on the individual, his and her abilities to access these memories. And uh, Foxy Joe says hello to both you and I.
0: Hello, guys.
1: And we're broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network, the UFO Radio, uh, Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3 and 107.7 FM from New Orleans and on Roku TV,
0: Dr. Elliot and I here yeah. in the darkness, We, we are <laughs> we dark and cold outside and we're inside talking to you guys, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, How cool talking all, things,
1: all things paranormal. Ah, uh, it's been very cold here lately. I think, uh, it was minus one degree Celsius there the other day. So, um, Oof. yeah, that's, that's getting down there even a fahrenheit. Well, what's I'm trying to think. I think 32 degrees fahrenheit is zero degrees. 34
0: or 34. I don't remember. Some,
1: yeah, it's like 32 or 34. Yeah, so we'd be we'd be like minus or 30 degrees fahrenheit roughly probably. Something like that.
0: Oh, I'm, my god, it is so cold. We're here like late 60s in fahrenheit and it is so cold, we're freezing to death.
1: Oh my goodness, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, and I'd probably be there in a t-shirt.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what people do, you know, they still come yeah. for vacations, and you could see that for Thanksgiving break, so many people came, and you can see the tourists, because they wear t-shirts and flip-flops, and here we are, we're freezing, our teeth are shattering, you know, it's so cold. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, when I was stationed, uh for those that uh, are just tuning in and, and don't know who I am, I uh was a... Former RCMP officer for 15 years. And one of my postings was in Yellowknife Northwest Territories, which is in the subarctic. It's uh on the 63rd uh degree parallel. And um it would get very, very cold there, you know, minus 40, uh, where you would go outside and you mm. know, any moisture on your eyelids would freeze and get yeah, yeah, moisture yeah. in your beard, and that would just freeze and um it was it was interesting. So whenever you took a vacation back home to Nova Scotia in the winter time, <laughs> you would go outside like in your T-shirt and stuff like that. People <laughs> would look at you like you're crazy, but
0: right. Just, but it was
1: like really, if you think about it, let's say it's uh, even just like minus ten. That's still like a thirty degree difference. <laughs> so you know for me it felt really warm but people would look at you and, and think that you're you're crazy but uh
0: that is so funny i'm glad that i don't live there <laughs> no, good <laughs> here. i'm good here you know you're gonna laugh but uh for christmas actually for new year's uh for holidays for the kids we bring artificial snow and we blow this artificial oh, yes. snow for kids
1: yeah i've heard uh, that because you guys don't get snow a whole lot it's every once in a in a In a while, I can't imagine the car accidents if if you guys had a big downfall. We don't.
0: (laughs) We go to the mountains and you see it there. But no, if it rains here, people think it's snowing so hard, even just a little bit drizzling, people forget how to drive. You know, that's the most ridiculous thing. They forget in Southern California. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's That's the thing. (laughs) do you uh do you have any paranormal projects that you're working on uh
0: not at the moment not at the moment i have uh one uh, um that i was just uh, recently asked and interestingly enough uh uh those people they watched us talking about it and they reached out to me and they wanted uh, me to come and investigate
1: Ooh, that's awesome
0: yeah, that is very interesting. This, uh, uh the case of uh, haunted uh, house. I haven't really gotten there yet. Uh, I have to drive for a couple of hours, but um, I'm intending to go and they're pretty spooked out. So, oh, that's both-
1: great. That's great. If you ever get a crazy case, let me know and I'll try and fly down.
0: Ooh. Okay. <laughs> the crazy case. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that's uh that's good. We, we had one, um, just, uh, uh, last week myself and my investigator, Andrew Baird, we, uh, had gone to this apartment here in town in Sydney, Nova Scotia, Canada, to investigate the gentleman, gentleman's uh, wife had passed away in January and he was seeing apparitions in his apartment. Uh, he thought one of them might've been, uh, his ex wife. And, uh, so we had made arrangements came over um, ex-wife
0: meaning that the the sorry not, his, away? not
1: not his ex-wife i i, I guess i should rephrase <laughs> that
0: because she probably wife. wouldn't want to see her
1: <laughs> his deceased wife so i i was interested because uh, she always called me her third mm-hmm. son um they were uh family friends so uh i thought the case was really interesting so we went over um i made andrew the lead investigator so that uh i wasn't the lead investigator and there was no bias on my part because i didn't know the family personally Um, but it was really interesting he was describing two things um that i haven't really heard so he's lived in this place uh, i think he said 24 years and there was no activity at all they've never had anything paranormal happen um they're not really like big paranormal people they don't watch the tv shows or anything like that um, and all of a sudden he saw the first night he saw an apparition of a female and a male, but their back was turned to him so he could only see the back of them. And he said that they looked like the height of his ex wife or sorry, his deceased wife. And there I go again, I'm just xing people out for some reason. I don't know why. Um But uh, I just want to X people out tonight. Um, But uh, no, he, uh, so he thought it was his deceased wife. And he said the male figure kind of looked like uh, the description of what his deceased brother um, could have been. So that part was interesting. And then um, he said when he saw a female apparition later, it was uh, same build. But again, the back of the apparition, not front on, so he couldn't see any faces, uh, looked like his deceased wife but when she had longer hair because she did used to have longer hair down here and then um in recent years it was more like shoulder length so that was really interesting Uh, i told him you know i explained to him i said sometimes apparitions will change their appearances some people will report seeing them younger or older it's how they want to represent themselves to you and how you'll be familiar with uh, you know viewing them so i said that part's not unusual but Uh, I just find it really fascinating that she has appeared to him in two different forms. But the one interesting thing, non paranormal that we had uncovered is we checked, uh, we had an electromagnetic field radiation detector with us. So we checked all the outlets uh, in his house to make sure everything was okay. And everything was looking pretty good up until the point we got into his master bedroom. And so interestingly enough, in the master bedroom is where he has been seeing these apparitions uh, but they're outside his bedroom door but the outlet right next to about two feet away from his bed the emf reader hit 198 no. milligas and it actually glitched out on us at one point because the radiation coming from it had hit so high so that i had never seen a reading that high before i actually uh, tested it multiple times it came up around anywhere between 194 to 198. How Um, did you
0: feel at the time when you got that reading?
1: I felt completely fine. Like it didn't Mm. feel like it affected me or or anything like that. Um, So I thought that was really interesting. So then I took the EMF reader over to his bed and it would drop down to zero. And that's normal. That's what they call the uh, inverse law effect. Because what happens is as you get away from the source of the EMF, it should rapidly decline. And that's what was happening. We got away from the plug. And by the time you get over to the bed two feet away, it had dropped down to zero. So then I started doing some research because of uh, Dr. Michael Persinger, the late Dr. Michael Persinger's work at Laurentian University here in Canada. He studied the effects of uh, EMF and uh, magnetism on the temporal lobes, which are just located... uh, by your by your ears there. And so his bed was very low to the ground where his head would have laid his left temporal lobe would have been two feet away from the outlet. So I started doing some research on whether or not um, where the radiation is hitting zero. If that would affect him and cause him to see apparitions because we did have another case where um, Dr. Darrell Walsh, my colleague had investigated where an alarm clock was giving off excessive amounts of EMF but it didn't dissipate towards where the person was laying in bed. So it was actually affecting them to see apparitions. But upon the research, where the radiation drops down to zero towards the the bed, that actually should not account for him seeing the apparitions in that particular case. Uh, When Dr. Michael Persinger was doing it in the laboratory, uh, the radiation had to be applied directly to the uh, temporal lobes and he was way under 198 milliGauss. He was using, uh, between, uh, less than 10 milliGauss, and that was causing the effect. So very fascinating with that case. We told him that, um, he should definitely have a certified electrician, check that out. The reason why it was giving off that kind of, uh, radiation readings is that it could have been an ungrounded or unshielded wire. And so mm-hmm. you want to get that checked out just in case, uh, you know, there, there's a fire hazard or anything like that, but um, very interesting case uh, to. And if it
0: was apparitional, for example, that I'm sure that you and everybody else in the room would have felt it one way or another.
1: Yeah, we didn't feel anything uh, in mm-hmm. the apartment. We we had offered to come back um, and uh, and do an overnight investigation. So uh, we're just waiting to to hear back from there. We our main goal to go there that night was to interview him. And find out exactly what he's experiencing, and then um, to do we we did plan on doing like an environmental assessment, and that was the one thing that we did come up with was the, the high MF rate readings. So, um, very uh, very fascinating cases. I love digging into them. A lot of times we do find um, some normal things. I, I think I told uh, another podcast. podcasts um, this one case we had uh, a couple of years ago. Now it was at a haunted airbnb and uh the the woman had reported three different things that had happened one is that she saw a female apparition the second one is that uh event that uh, was that there was muddy boot prints that would appear in Mm -hmm. the kitchen no matter how many times she cleaned it she'd you know come back uh after a guest checked out or whatnot and there'd be muddy boot prints there or if she had nobody in the place there'd be muddy boot prints so she couldn't figure it out And uh, the third uh, thing that was happening is the curtain on the back door, no matter how many times she moved it over to the left, it would always be pushed back to the right. So myself and one of my investigators, uh, Pierre Filatro, we went uh, to the house, we spent the night, set up some cameras in the kitchen, um, did some electronic voice phenomena sessions. We didn't get anything happened. The only strange thing that happened is we had a fairly new battery. It was brand new, actually. that we were putting into a device and all of a sudden it got burning hot and it was getting like mm-hmm. hotter and hotter and we actually had to take it out of the device and, and just throw it out we think if we hadn't taken it out it, it possibly would have continued to get so hot that it might have exploded um, that was strange i wouldn't call it paranormal but it was strange and so in that case we were able to solve one of the three mysteries we didn't see an apparition and the boot prints didn't appear for us. But we did figure out the, the curtain. And what had happened there is um, every time the furnace kicked on, it would give a little bit of a draft. And it would slowly push the curtain over. But you couldn't see it if you were just standing in the kitchen. You wouldn't notice it uh, to just stare at the door. You'd have to stay there all night. But what happened is on the camera, so when we woke up, the curtain was closed. We purposely closed it all the way to the uh, to the left. And when we woke up in the morning it was pushed over to the right so we were really excited so we started to watch the video but when we watched the video every time you could hear the furnace kick in you could see you know the uh drape start to kind of move over so once you time-lapsed it that's exactly what happened each time the furnace kicked in you could see uh the drape move over to the right so we told the family that we said you know we're not saying the house is not haunted because we haven't spent enough time in that environment But we can tell you that we think we solved one of your three mysteries anyway. And uh, so she was happy and excited about that. But it's always fun when you go to an investigation. It's like a mystery that you want to try and solve, whether it's natural or uh, unnatural or
0: But was she really happy uh, that you found that there was nothing going on? Right. Uh, Or she was actually hoping that you would find something
1: uh she was hoping that we would validate uh her experiences because she had seen a female apparition and uh her and her family had discovered the the muddy blueprints um and unfortunately we couldn't provide that to her Uh, we just hadn't spent enough time uh in the location uh but we had offered to come back if she wanted us to and um you know she she was she did think it was really cool though that we solved the third mystery so she wasn't really worried about the drape anymore because uh, you know and and you know this from your experience too when people are living in a haunted house or a haunted environment, they can start to develop almost uh, well basically it's like a form of trauma you know so they're on edge and then they start to uh, think that every noise and squeak is paranormal and things like that. so it kind of snowballs. so I think for her that that really helped uh, you know to find out that we we solved something that was not paranormal. But as for the apparition and the, and the boot prints, that, that still remains a mystery.
0: That's interesting that if uh, nothing else had happened, but the, the boots, uh, the, the the prints, that's uh, very interesting, but, um, you, um, sometimes people want to experience those things you know sometimes they their desire to experience something of paranormal it even brings uh, uh the experiences to them and they actually start to experiencing them physically right so that uh, that is a very interesting um capacity of our mind to be able to experience something that we want to see. You know, like for example, if we go back to Thomas Edison that we discussed, Mm -hmm. he was an incredible scientist and inventor, and we just have to thank him for having light, right? And um, for example, now we're sitting in in our home dungeons and when it's so Mm -hmm. cold outside, right? And we have lied. So we have to thank Thomas Edison. But what happened when he was little, and um, I think he was brought up by um, a single mom. Uh, One time when he was little, he uh, came home with a note from the school teacher and gave that note to his mom. And thinking about the power of suggestion, he gives this note to his mom and the mom opens that letter and reads it. And she starts crying. And he asked her, why are you crying, mom? And she said that, you know, your teacher says that you are so smart, they can't teach you anymore. So they suggest that you stay home and you do homeschooling of whatever um, kind that it existed at the time. So his mom was so instrumental in his education building him up and telling him how smart he was. So he grew up believing that he was smart, smarter than other people in this regard, right? If he was actually, if the teachers could not teach him anything else and he involved in the, in the, he in became the incredible inventor and he invented the light bulb or anything else. But do you know what was actually in that note, Dr. Elliot? What? That note said that your son your son's intellectual abilities are almost non-existent and we would suggest to keep him at home and not send him to school anymore there's nothing that we can teach him Mm. look at the power of suggestion that of that heroic mother that turned the entire narrative of lacking intellect into an incredible intellect and sort of like the salvation for, salvation for humanity. Mm. Right. So if we talk about hypnosis and that is where the conversational hypnosis come into place, this is uh, how you build up people. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is how you support them in their dreams as well. That's very no, interesting. It's
1: the it the like you said the mind is very powerful, and uh we talked about it last show with dr uh, <laughs> dr sherry uh about how our minds and how we've evolved and we've survived for so long, but our minds are so negative all the time, except for yours of course yours is yours is always raining positive <laughs>
0: <laughs> not but, always uh, not that that always
1: but uh for the most part like our minds try to break us down they tell us that we can't do it or they you know i know so many people that uh are like afraid of change like they don't want to change their job so they just go to work every day and they're miserable and they're complaining about their job but they're too afraid to make that leap and um i had a friend uh that uh was on commission sales and in the auto industry. And of course, cars are not selling right now with the interest rates being so high and, um, you know, people not being able to afford their, their heat and Christmas time coming up and things like that. So there was a, a two week period where he got his paycheck and he had $0 cause he's strictly commissioned. And I told him, I said, man, I said, like, you're getting, you know, you're getting to be older and you've got your wife, you've got, uh, three kids that you have to support like you need a steady income you need to know how much money's coming in every two weeks you can't can't live off this commission anymore and uh I th- it's the only thing he did for years but he finally made uh, finally made the jump and now he's a lot happier he walked into uh doing a maintenance job he gets paid a really decent wage and uh it's guaranteed income and uh but he took that he took that leap of faith and, and made that change. And there's just so many people that are, you know, afraid to do that. And, and the mind just tries to, to tear us down. So it's nice to see when people fight that inner voice that we all have and go on and, and do something very successful.
0: Yeah, but uh, that uh, little voice also comes from somewhere. It comes from our parents sometimes, but uh, uh, quite often with their negative thinking. You know, And uh, from the society, from school, I remember myself, I um, had so much negativity um, brought up to me by the teachers. In fact, I had a friend uh, who was sitting right next to me at the desk and um, he would always get the C's and D's, C's and D's. And the teachers told him that, you know, you're going to be chasing rats, so you're going to become the trash truck driver. Not even the driver, you're gonna be picking up the trash. In fact, um geez, those
1: days those jobs pay really well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Well, guess what people, happened to him? People people would fight to get those jobs now.
0: Right. Yeah, this is a, this is a very interesting um way how things develop, right? And at the time it was very negative.
1: Mm.
0: But interestingly enough, that did not put him down. He went to Moscow. He went to Moscow. His family moved to Moscow. They had to. And um, he became one of the most successful entrepreneurs in Moscow.
1: Wow. That's great. I I love hearing stories about that. People. uh, Yeah. underdogs.
0: You know that if we go back to Einstein. What did Einstein said? If we judge the fish by its ability to climb the tree, it will always think. It will always live thinking it is stupid. Mm. so and how many times do we judge people by their ability, fish by their ability to climb the tree
1: mm. yeah no it's, uh, you're right, you're right and uh, talking about um, you know the power of the mind too there's been lots of studies done in parapsychology on believers in the paranormal and uh, we touched on it last week uh, with Dr. Sherry, we talked about um, you know like a skeptic really if, if they saw an apparition, they're not going to like automatically think that it's an, uh, you know, believe that it's a ghost or an apparition because it totally goes against their um, beliefs and their, their belief system. But uh, it is interesting that a lot of these paranormal studies have shown that believers are more susceptible to having paranormal experiences. What's what's your take on that?
0: Well, it has been my observation, Dr. Elliot, that somehow, interestingly enough, whatever people believe, whatever belief that they have, religious belief, they tend to see those particular deities that uh, are a part of that narrative of that religious story. Mm. Right. For example, I've never seen Christians uh, seeing, for example, Muhammad. They all see Jesus. They all see right. Uh, and, um, Archangel Michael, for example, they see different um, uh, biblical personages.
1: Why not something
0: else? But why not something else? So what I have discovered from my own personal research that um, and people may agree or disagree with me, but it is my own personal uh, belief is that we can create in our mind and then um, bring it into the physical manifestation, whatever our mind has created, mm. and materialize it somehow. And then other people start seeing that as well. I will give you one uh, interesting example.
1: Mm, um, please do.
0: I was um, I didn't quite understand what I saw at the time. I remember that one time I was praying a long time ago. I had a difficult, uh, very difficult moment in my life, and I was praying for help. And I did get help. All of a sudden, in the room, there was this crazy noise and a lot of wind at 11 o'clock at night, lots of wind and noise. I'm like, what is happening here? And I see these creatures, uh, ugly creatures at the time, which I didn't know what they were, and they were they came and they sat on my shoulders. I'm like, that's it. My mind is gone. I don't need to leave this room and never pray again. You know. <laughs> so I left the room. I forgot about this experience. I was shaking at the time. And I'm like, okay, what was that? And those creatures, they look like um. Really big creatures with the feet as a um, as a donkey, right? You would probably recognize it from the Bible. They would be uh, uh, have the hoofs, and then they would have each of them would have four wings and the four faces of the lion, of a person, of an eagle. What was the last one? I forget.
1: Oh yeah, lion, eagle. Yeah, I'm not sure. Ox either.
0: of an ox, it's I think. Ox? Right, right, and then. Uh, this is what I thought, that this is what I saw. And then next morning, I'm like, okay, I need to answer what it was. So like, what was it, people? What was it? So I'm asking myself this question. And I start driving. I got into the car and I was driving. And I never listened to the radio, never at the time, because my head was always preoccupied. I was working on my master's degree. And I didn't need any more information in my brain because it would, uh, was ready to explode. And all of a sudden, I turn on the radio. The first words that come. And let me tell you now how angels look in the Bible. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And Mm -hmm. he starts telling that those were um, cherubims, right? Those were cherubims. Those were not seraphims. They were cherubims. We see them in um, classical paintings of this nice little bitty chubby children. They're not. They were seraphims, and in fact, this is exactly how they look, and they were seated by the um, right side of uh, God, I guess, not Jesus, but God, and they came to me, and I could not believe that I saw something like that because I never seen anything like that in my life. I did not have any frame of reference at the time. Not that I would ever even see it in my life before or even read about it. Even if I had a degree already, a bachelor's degree in uh, religious studies at the time, I uh, was studying Bible and Old Testament, but somehow I didn't. I never came across, but maybe I did. And this is how my mind was playing tricks on me.
1: Oh, interesting. Interesting. Kind of like what we talked about where um, you can hear something or experience something and not, uh, not realize it.
0: Yeah, in yes. the, um, science, it is called uh, cryptomnesia. Yes. that uh, When Crypt- your mind would be able to uh, compose a narrative of the previous experiences, those that have been repressed because the uh, they were not interesting at the time or some unpleasant experience. And of course, if you read about something like that and something ugly like that, right? That the something that we consider ugly, not necessarily that it was, but mm. it was not human
1: yeah that that is interesting because uh, again last week we talked a, a little bit about uh Kryptonisia, but so it's interesting so you were you you don't you don't have a Catholic background or do you you were just studying not
0: necessarily Catholic it was uh i used to be uh Russian orthodox
1: Russian Orthodox. And and there's a belief in
0: the saints and angels and everything like that. Yeah. But uh, I I, I
1: think the story of the, uh, that type of creature, I think it comes from the book of uh, Ezekiel. And uh, so that's really interesting that you were studying like, you know, the old Testament. Yeah. uh, But if
0: you look uh, into uh, that, really uh, before at the times, people did not really know what uh, to make of certain things that they saw. It could not yeah. have been an angel. It could have been some extraterrestrial craft yeah. that was shining. The hooves were shining. There were feet of some craft. And, of course, they were moving. Of course, And I saw them. They were moving, actually. not. They were not even flapping wings. They were moving in certain directions at the same time. And the spacecraft co- could have done that, you know? Mm. And uh, there are the inscriptions uh, on it and the lights and, and the roaring when, the, when they come, right? So when you think about it, it could be also your mind creating that. And Well, when for so sure. Many,
1: That's definitely with, something that could happen. For yeah,
0: sure. but when so many people are thinking about one and the same concept, it becomes a thought form. It mm. becomes a separate entity that is running on its own. And I was able to understand that doing my further research because I did not even understand why I'm seeing this. Uh, and it was at the time I was going to Russian Orthodox Church and I could see it. But at the same time, I started seeing things, I, I was seeing things before that belong to different mythologies, to different religions. And that would come and I would be able to converse with them. And that would be an objective reality, meaning. Something that existed before, either a mythology or some story that was recorded by d- different um, cultures. Hmm.
1: The only so, other thing I can think of is no. uh, it, it kind of sounds like because, like you had a good point. You said, you know, uh, a Catholic doesn't necessarily see, you know, somebody from the the Buddha Buddhism.
0: Yeah. Why? That's the question. So
1: I started thinking, I'm like, okay, well, I was like, you know, in parapsychology, we believe that apparitions can project um, through telepathy uh, or some sort of form of extrasensory perception, how they want us to view them so that we recognize them. For example, your grandfather or your grandmother or whatnot. What if, you know, there's you always hear of like the different religions and the no denomination people like uh, Wiccans they call just upon like their higher power and and things like that. What if that's like whatever that is that religious universe or that 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 all mighty powerful entity is projecting themselves in the way that we understand it. So if we, I grew up Roman Catholic. I'm told, you know, that there's uh, the father, the son and the Holy spirit. And then of course there's other important figures like uh, you know, the, the Virgin Mary and, and things like that. But somebody that grew up uh, in Islam would know more about Muhammad and, and other uh, kind of deities and, and characters in, in their religion. So what if, it's like that higher power projecting itself to what we know it to be. And that's why, you know, somebody that's raised as Catholic might see uh, those Catholic figures.
0: That is very interesting. It is an
1: interesting theory. I don't know how we would test it, but uh, that just kind of popped into my mind because we know spirits do that. So why couldn't, you know, whatever that powerful those powerful characters are that, that we all believe. They come
0: to my they come to us in the image that the, we would understand exactly for example if you look uh at, at the biblical stories uh, if the angels would come angels that did in fact they were just messengers we call them angels but angelos in greek is the messenger and um they would come with some sort of a message but they mm-hmm. would come in the image of a man and they would say, do not be afraid of us. Why? It's the same thing as in the classical uh, Greek mythology where Zeus would always, and different enti- uh, um, deities that would transform themselves into different characters so humans would not be afraid of them. Mm. And they will always say, do not be afraid of us.
1: Yeah, that is something common that you do here. Yeah. yeah. So perhaps
0: this is the case. So, there's um, if, if we looked at the religions, uh, or the world religions and the mythology, we would see all these commonalities, everything comes from one source. And this Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is not a new concept that Christians have invented, it we trace it back to the um Egyptians, we trace it back to even from Egyptians to Sumerians, mm-hmm. and we in. It is in Hinduism, it is uh, in Buddhism, in every culture, if we look at that. So perhaps this is exactly the case and we just cracked the code you and I right now, right? (laughs) So one deity, right? There's one narrative, one story, but for the particular cultures in different um, nations, it would be perf- it would be um, shown totally differently. Exactly in the way that we understand in yes. the way that we have the frame of reference that would be familiar to us and understood by us.
1: No, that that's just it. Yeah, no, that we had an epiphany tonight.
0: Exactly, good. we cracked the yeah. code. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no,
1: it's it is. It's very. It's got me thinking. It's uh it's very interesting, but that could be a potential reason like you said why, you know, uh why somebody that's catholic doesn't see these other, you know, like why isn't the ancient Egyptian god uh, Iris appearing to me? You know what I mean? It's not something that I would be familiar with. That would be, you know, a a deity that would have to say, "Don't be afraid. I'm not here to, you know, cause you any harm" because to me it would be very foreign and probably very scary. Uh but um no, it's 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 a fascinating Fascinating topic for sure.
0: Yeah, but the, when it happens to us, uh, uh, for example, the Roman Catholics they uh, know one thing, and they think that everything else is just demonic. Mm. If uh, uh, if it is not Christian, then everything is demonic. And uh, you looked at the, uh, Islam, for example, they think whatever's Christian is also like so not of this world, and uh, we just uh, shouldn't uh, believe in that at all. We become dirty. But at the same time, my God, I remember that I went to a Christian Orthodox church. And believe it or not, I shared with the father that I went to the Protestant church. He said, like, you were sort of contaminated and we need to bring you back through certain rituals into the church. And so which, what, where else did you go? Well, I said that I went to a Catholic church as well, right? I said, Oh, it's okay. Catholics are our brothers. We don't need to do anything extraordinary about that. And it just blew my mind. I had to be brought back to the church with certain rituals to, uh, what is the word then, to um, reconfirm myself, right? Yeah, reconfirm myself, essentially. Right. uh, Back into the church from something that was uh, contaminated, which was uh, just the Protestant church. The same Christians, same believers. Interesting. So why? Why? Exactly. Why do we see? It's because we want to see that. It's because we are under that influence. But if we step aside, thinking that other religions also have right to existence and other people who are uh, believing in their own gods, right, they also have the right to believe. When we step aside from that radical thinking and just like one, uh, the, 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 like the horse with the blinders, like running through life, like if we just take those blinders off, we're gonna be surprised at the incredible stories developing around us. Mm. And we might not just see Jesus there, right? Because when people tell me that I saw Jesus, and you saw, see those Christian channels, they all saw Jesus. How come I never saw Jesus? I was also Christian. I never saw Jesus. you know. Yeah. So if you look at that, you have to be able to keep your mind open and not just really concentrate on something that you think is right and other people are wrong. Mm. I learned a long time ago that if you tell somebody that you're wrong, you're wrong yourself because we all have our own understanding of truth. We have our own narrative that we believe in, that we were brought up in.
1: That's yeah. yeah. No, you're right. Uh, uh, I find cultural and sociological factors very interesting, especially in the work of parapsychology, because um, you do have to dig into it because even say, for example, with near death experiences, one common thing that a lot of people report is, uh, you know, crossing through that bright white light. But there are other cultures that talk about crossing over a bridge, for example, uh, some of the Asian cultures believe that there's like a bridge that you have to cross. And it's the same kind of concept as the light. So once you go through the light, you know, you're through same thing with the bridge. Once you go across the bridge, you go, you go through it. But it's it's the same event and the same experience, but it's, a, but it's different. As well it's perceived because, differently perceived mm-hmm. differently because of that uh cultural or possibly religious uh difference and possibly and fascinating. yeah
0: but i grew up uh, in the culture in the country without god you know 70 years without god in con- the communist the communist not so much communist socialist state, right mm-hmm. and uh when i had uh, i was 17 when i had um near-death experience i was 17 and I did uh, see the tunnel, and I see, see, and I did see the light at the end of the tunnel. So. I did not have any frame of reference. I did not know anything about it, about the past life, not the past life, but the the near-death experiences. To me, it was something alien. I thought I was dying and I thought I really died because I felt so horrible. And when I came back, I understood that uh, that was something extraordinary, that uh, uh, I came out of my body and I saw myself laying down there. (laughs) That was so bizarre to me that I could see my body from the ceiling. So... I did not have any religious, didn't hear any religious stories for, for afterlife or how do you pass on to different life, you know? So um, how do we know all of that? Yes, we hear all those stories that we pass through the bridge, right? We have to cross the bridge. We have to cross the river Letter, right? But then we forget, of course, all the memories. we forget all the memories. And then uh, what becomes, what is true, what is true to us What's true to us is our own personal experience because it becomes so real to us. Whatever we see in our minds, it becomes more real to us that we see in a physical world. So
1: that would be another thing that you if somebody asked you do you believe in near-death experiences Uh, that would be something that you would say i don't need to believe in it i know
0: i know (laughs) you've
1: you've actually experienced one
0: right without false modesty i can say i know yeah i know that's very
1: very very interesting
0: but at the same time you know uh people get scared when they hear or see something like that like you said oh if you get some interesting case like let me know and i will come interesting case you mean something like so extraordinary something like really scary right and uh why do we want to hear why do we want to see something so scary Don't, (laughs) don't just think that when you're gonna come and see that the all the hair on your body is gonna raise up and you're gonna be so scared and paralyzed with fear. No, we, we wanna see it.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's for sure. And hopefully get some pictures and video of it as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. You would be there to take pictures. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And
0: yeah, I'm scared, but I'm gonna take pictures. I'm gonna bring it to the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's so funny. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, Well, this has been uh, the, uh, we've been going live on United Public Radio Network, uh, 107.7 and the 105.3. 105.3, that's right. We are 107.7, right? So that's uh, what's in my memory. Yes, 107.7
1: FM, Uh, 105.3 FM you just have to
0: give me the suggestion so i would remember the second one (laughs) hypnotic suggestion and i would remember this way i don't think
1: uh next week i don't think we have another guest on either do we it's just you and me next week right
0: exactly because we have so many things to discuss and it can be just us and uh, very interesting conversations I believe that uh, our viewers and listeners also find it very interesting and will welcome more comments and questions
1: yeah that was great tonight we had a little bit of interaction there um, our email as well is science and the paranormal at ppr.i.net. you can always email dr. Yana or myself uh, any questions that you have if you are interested in um, You know uh this this podcast certainly give us a like a follow a subscribe share comment uh we have a facebook page we have a a website what's the website address uh, dr yana
0: that uh this science and paranormal podcast.com
1: science and paranormal podcast.com. And uh, of course, if you're interested in the work that I do with uh, my nonprofit organization, Paranormal Phenomena Research and Investigation, you can always visit the website at ppri.net. And uh, yeah, I think Mm -hmm. next week, we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about some demonology and some other really interesting topics.
0: Fantastic and fascinating topics. Exactly.
1: That's fantastic. All right.
0: Well, Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us today, and uh, we hope to see you next week.
1: Yes, everyone take care. We'll see you next week. Have a good
0: night, everyone. You too. Good night, Dr. Elliot. Good night. Go to sleep. I will. (laughs) Take care. Bye.